BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, what a welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. And uh, we'll get to Chris Crutchfield, head coach of Nebraska Omaha, upcoming. In the meantime, we do have some actual basketball, maybe not basketball, but a gigantic trade in basketball to start with. Chris Crutchfield is my uh, signature guest for the next two All Balls. He's the head coach of Nebraska Omaha. It's his alma mater. Uh, a really interesting kind of mercurial journey back to a place that uh, he once played. And You'll hear about the changes in, at Nebraska Omaha going to Division One and all the other things upcoming. I think you'll love it. But Damian Lillard is now Milwaukee Buck, and we'll see what happens with Drew Holiday. What's fascinating to me about this trade is a couple of things. Um, and please excuse the language, but this feels like a big old-fashioned fuck you from Portland to both Lillard and the Miami Heat. Because right? the reports are the Heat, uh, whatever you think of their, their offer – or what you thought their offer was with Tyler Hero. There were picks, there were players, and pretty good picks and pick swaps for the players. But it, it feels like, maybe it doesn't feel like it, just seems like it is, although I, I don't want to take what is being reported as the absolute truth. I, I, I think it's more likely than not to have happened the way in which it's reported. Because, again, some of the reporting is from people that have ties to either side, and you paint it in the rosier tones for whomever gave you the information. So um, here's what's fascinating to me about the FU to both Lillard and the Heat. Think about it here, Portland. It looks very vindictive, right? Doesn't it? It looks vindictive that Portland would say, hey, oh, if, if it's not Miami, you want to come back? No, we don't want you back. That's what's been reported. But again, look at it from Portland's perspective. Wait, you forced your way out of Portland, said you wanted to trade, said you don't want to be a part of a rebuild, but only for the Miami Heat? And Jimmy Butler can go on social media and say it's tampering, but man, that is not a great look for the Heat. And again, if you're Portland, you're like, okay, this was an inside job with the Heat, and Damian Lillard saying he wants to play for a winner, 
But if it only if it's the Miami Heat, that that doesn't that feels very personal. Or maybe it, it's a it was a lifestyle decision. I don't know. That's the part where I go. I can't say a hundred percent. But here is the one thing that. Well, first, I actually like that it's an FU. If you're running a basketball team, you have to do what's in the best interest of the basketball team. And I will tell you, I think that ultimately they'll end up better. DeAndre Ayton's a good player. You got to pay somebody because with the salary cap, you not just have a ceiling of a floor. And oh yeah, by the way, you got to put some sort of team out there. And though I don't believe you can win a championship with Ayton because he's not really a defender, but he is a big time scoring five man. Like he'll be fine. And Phoenix was trying to get rid of that contract ever since they signed that contract, having to match the deal when he was restricted free agent, I think with Indiana. But the big part to this is that the Milwaukee Bucks will absolutely be better because they have Damian Lillard. I mean, think about it. They're now the odds-on favorite to an NBA championship. And I understand they've been very good, even without him, as a more of a defensive-minded team. And they did win a championship going back a couple years ago. And they did so with Giannis, you know, scoring 50 in the deciding game. And the thought is that they didn't have Middleton and then they didn't have Giannis for two of the games against the Heat this year. If they have Giannis for the whole series, they beat the Miami Heat and none of this is even a question. And, and this is not necessarily a shot at Damian Lillard, but we can all admit he's not a great or even maybe good defensive player. So you're changing the entire construct of your team. You don't just at some point in your 30s decide, hey, I'm going to become a high-level defender, you know? And it's taken – have the Golden State Warriors won two championships with Steph Curry as their best player? They have. They have. But it's been hard because he's constantly attacked in the postseason. Constantly. Why am I saying attack? I'm not saying get Bayless or people like me or – Stephen A. Smith, I'm talking about at the defensive end, he's the focal point of what you want to do offensively. And Drew Holiday, though there's a drop-off as a shooter, I think Drew Holiday is as good a ball handler, probably a better passer, and a far superior defender, even if he's not the shooter scorer of Damian Lillard. So I, I just they're a completely different team with Damian Lillard as opposed to Drew Holiday. And oh yeah, by the way, you know, you lose a, a, a pretty good sixth or seventh man off the bench as well as part of the deal. So I, I, do I like what Portland did? Yes. I frankly like what Phoenix did. You know, spreading that money around to Aiton and getting Nurkic, who's not the overall player of Aiton, but they don't need anybody who needs to score on that team. They have plenty of scoring. Now they still need a point guard, but they have plenty of scoring. Um, what they need is somebody who will just play defense, roll, you know, score when the ball is given to them and not say a word and never have a play run. And that's what Nurkic is. And then they kind of filled out the roster with some other decent pieces off the bench. So I, I really like it for Phoenix. I understand it for Portland and I don't dislike it for Milwaukee, right? Because at some point you're like, ah, but I don't think Milwaukee was that far off. Giannis is healthy, and maybe they let Giannis guard Jimmy Butler, and none of this ever happens. Instead, you go from a defensive juggernaut who just shuts off people's water to a team that should be good defensively, but you know now you're, most of your best players are in your 30s, 
although Drew was in his thirties too, but not great defenders and a really more of an offensive minded guard substituting for Drew Holiday, who's a great shooter, great shooter score, but hasn't played deep in the playoffs and has never shown a ferocity defensively. And again, one, one other part about Dame, and if you, if you go back and track, even back to when he was drafted, I've always been a huge Damian Lillard fan and proponent. But if we're honest about Dame, even when he's on the Olympic team a couple years ago, like he wasn't great in that setting. And he wasn't great. I don't think it was the pressure of it. I think it's the fact that he's small and he wasn't the focal point of what they were doing. And that's not what he's used to. I don't know if he's the focal point of what they're doing. Like, why would you take the ball out of Giannis's hand? And then he becomes more of just a shooter. He's a great shooter, but he's used to being ball dominant and he's used to not having to play defense and all this is going to change. All right, let's, uh, let's get to part one. This is Chris Crutchfield, good friend of mine, awesome human being, really, really good human being, who, by the way, just so happens to be a talented head coach at his alma mater, the University of Nebraska, Omaha. Here's the beginning of his journey. Crutch, your first memory of playing basketball is <laughs> you're, you're how old and where is it? Ooh, I'm probably about eight, maybe nine, and I'm on the outside court right up the street from my house, and uh, that's where all the big boys was playing at, and you had to wait to the end to get on, and and I really never got on until I was about 11 or 12. So so I just hung around and just shot the ball and shot the ball and stayed up there about three or four hours. And at the end, when all the, when all the the good players was tired and done, I jumped on. <laughs> so, so my idea was my dad would take me to a park. Yep, uh, Miles Miles Square Park in Fountain Valley, California. And the early guys played like I think it was like seven a.m. And so we get there like six forty-five, and you know, like you got to call a game, and so there might be fourteen guys there. I was like fourteen. But I would have the fourth game because dudes would call a game like, well, you got your five? Like, no, my five are coming. And they would rather pick guys off the court than pick me because I was so little. Yep. So he would stay with me and make sure that I got my game. Yep. And then I'd play. And then <clears throat> usually after you play one game, like you're decent, you can, you know, stay on. But yep. that's how my dad would do it. And then he'd leave me five bucks. I'll come back and get you whenever, you know? And so you were there was, all day. That, all, all day. Well, because there was different there was different waves, right? There was like the early wave, there was like the lunchtime wave, and there was like the afternoon wave. Yep. And, and and when I was a kid, like I had no idea what got why guys were going back to their car in between games. Right. <laughs> like I thought they were just they had like food in there or something like that. And you know, guys <laughs> a couple be going drinks in. Yep. A couple drinks, come back out to who? Yep. You know, and so when you get that those afternoon guys, uh the tempers could get a little could yep. get a little much. I actually I actually broke my nose, or my nose was broken, uh, right before my first day of high school. Kind of that same I was playing in the afternoon and I hit a shot and some dude was, you know, some guy on my team was talking trash to him because I was not yet in high school, right? Skinny little kid. Oh, and then I hit a couple shots to the guy, and some guy, you know, kind of came down the lane and intentionally got me. Um, where'd you go to high school? Small town, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Okay. Yep. 
Uh, was it Hopkinsville High School? Hopkinsville High School. Yep. Yep. Who's your Who's your coach? Uh, Daryl Hallmark. What was he like? He was hard. He was hard. We pressed. We ran. Uh, he wanted to make sure you was in shape, so we ran a lot. We had a good team. We won state championship as a sophomore, uh, finished in the quarterfinals as a junior. And it's funny, we had the number one team in the state and got beat first round of our district as a senior. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you the best player? Out. No, it was a couple guys that was I – mean, I probably was the third best. A couple guys went to play at Austin P and Murray State. Who? What's their names? Wendell Qualls and Lamont Ware. Lamont played at Austin P. Wendell played at Murray. How'd you decide to go to Omaha? I actually went to JUCO first. I went to Anoka Ramsey uh, Community College up in Minnesota. And uh, and this side all worked out, Doug. It's funny because I was supposed to go to Austin P, but I was a Prop 48. This is first year of Prop 48. I was the 87 graduate out of high school. So... The assistant coach, Steve Hill, was putting me and my teammate at Austin P. We're going to hide you guys up in this JUCO up in Minnesota for two years. Then we're going to bring you guys back to Austin P. Because we both were non-qualifiers. Hey, Lake Kelly. I don't know if you remember the late Lake Kelly. Sure. Lake was the head coach at Austin P. So Lake gets fired going into our sophomore year of junior college. Whole staff gone, blown the whole thing up. And we're out there just f- trying to figure it out. And uh, the thing kind of fell apart. Recruiting kind of took a different route. I ended up coming to Omaha Division Two because uh, that was the only offer that I had, really, that in St. Cloud. What was junior college like in Minnesota for you? I mean, Kentucky's not – it gets cold, but not like Minnesota. Oh, no, no. It was totally different. It was a culture shock for me now. Trust me. I, it, in, in October – it never snows in Kentucky in October. So in, in, in Minnesota, it snowed a lot. First time I ever seen it, lightning and snowing at the same time. What? Lightning, lightning and snow? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that was possible. Oh, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you play for in Juco? Guy by the name of Alfonso Scandrett. And uh, Alfonso uh, was a New York guy. I've been around for a long time, coached in the junior college rankings, coached Division II, ended up being an administrator, uh, was the AD at te- assistant AD at Texas Tech and Buffalo, a bunch of places. Now he's retired, but yeah. How'd you guys play there? Uh, it was a little more controlled, half-court, half-court offense. He 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 wanted to call, call sets, so we ran a bunch of sets, which is atypical of junior college basketball. Sure. Right, like how you play in high school seems like how most teams play exactly. in junior college. Exactly. Right? How you playing? How you playing junior college? Like at 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 any point in this journey, were you like, man, I want to coach? No, no, not until I got out of college. So we'll get to that in a second. So you get to Omaha. Yep. Okay. Now Omaha. Now obviously Division One facilities have changed. Yep. You know, massive investments and stuff. But what was it like then? Well, it was small, small time basketball. We played on a on a tartan floor. <laughs> uh, the league was really good. North Central Conference was really good, and all those schools are now in the summit, which was North Dakota State, South Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota, Northern Colorado was in the league back then. School called Morningside in Iowa. Uh, 
Augustana in South Dakota, which is now still Division Two, a really good Division Two program. But it was it was us and uh, those schools I just mentioned, and it was a really really good league. Did you bust everywhere? Everywhere except except to uh, Northern Colorado. Right. What is the bus rides in that league like? You're in college. Oh, it's hard. It, it was hard. You know why? Because it was cold everywhere you went, Doug. Right. Right. And, and then you got humidity inside the windows. So it's starting to create ice on the inside of the windows. That's how cold it was in North Dakota. Okay. So this is, this is like uh, early nineties. Yeah. So early nineties, I guess you would have, you'd have the probably the Sony Walkman yep. on the bus yep. And, yep. and a, and a mixtape. So Chris Crutchfield in college with one of those waterproof, Yellow Sony Walkman. What was on the what was what was in your ears? What was on the mixtape? I'm saying I probably had some raw bass. Uh, ooh, that's a long time ago, man. You making me go back now? I know for sure. Rob well, man, bass I just wonder what a Kentucky what what a Kentucky what a Kentucky boy would listen to when you're on the road. Like you know, I I remember I would. I mean, I think that was not yet the that was probably that was like the in California that was like the NWA era. Yeah, no doubt. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you, you had, yes, you the, the beginning too days. Short, the too short. Too short. I was a big too short guy. <laughs> Huge too short guy. Too short actually I toured with Snoop Dogg this summer. I was like, man, how did I miss that one? That was, that's right up my alley. You didn't see All it? You, you in California? No, I don't the day that he was out, near, he was near me. My, actually, this is a true story. My first concert. Uh, my first concert I ever went to was with my parents in Vegas. My dad was coaching my brother or some team in Vegas. And um, we went to uh, Jeffrey Osborne in oh, Vegas. Oh, yeah. Me, my mom, and my dad. Like, <laughs> Jeffrey Osborne. Uh, just, can you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyway. <laughs> right. So, so um, uh, and then my, but my first concert without a parent was Miles Simon and I went to Bobby Brown and Tony 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 Ooh. in Santa in Santa Ana. It, it was it was it was something. It, it was, was wild. Us it back was, in Bobby me, Brown like, wild days. Yes. Yes. I it, it, thank, thankfully I never went backstage. <laughs> Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, 
sports, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. How good were you guys when you played? Probably 500. Probably on the back end of my head coach's uh, career. Just we were just okay. Got beat first round of uh, our regional tournament, but I had a lot of fun. I had fun. I also played football here. I know you're a two sport athlete. I was like, yeah. So yeah, but now yeah. did you play football in junior college? Yep. Yep. What position? Receiver. So what what was what was that like? So did you touch a ball during the fall? Like how did you how did that all work? After practice, I would go into the gym because it was right next to each other, and I would go in and shoot around, mess around a little bit. But I did in high school. I did in high school, and when I got to JUCO, they asked me to come and play, and I said, okay, I ain't doing anything. I go play, and uh, and I ended up playing, man. It, it, was, it was the weirdest thing. But back then, you could do that. Like now, even at Division Two, you couldn't do it now because it's, it's a year-round sport, both football and basketball. What were you? Which were you better at? I don't know. It's pretty, pretty hard, man. I'm thinking, put it this way: when I got here, there was there's games where I scored four touchdowns. You probably like well, you so- lying, you bullshit. No, I, well, I mean, no, I mean, so there's, there, there, there has to be records. I had a guy tell me once he ran it. I tell me once he ran a four four. I was like, well, I, I was I I'm, I won't say his name, but I once heard the radio show with a guy who said he ran a four four, and I said, my man. You ran a four four. You would not be sitting next to me right now. No, I was, so. I was more like a four six. <laughs> but I was six three, six three one ninety. There wasn't that many big receivers. Why, like that. why did you play bat? Why did you? Wh- I know. Why did you keep playing basketball? Why did you, you play football? What? Growing up, growing up in Kentucky, that was your first love. Yeah, that was the first love, and I was good at it, and that's the only reason I did it. 
that's that's every that's every football player wants to be a basketball player. Oh, I know. Right? I know. All of them want to play basketball players. No doubt. No they all, doubt. They, they all they, they all do. You go to the student rec center. There's always football players, and they be beating um, you up. Correct. <laughs> correct. And and dribbling like they're dribbling on their el- with their elbows. What? Um, okay, so. How did you guys play at UNO? Uh, we played. It was it was fast. It was fast. Um, but we also ran some some motion. Ran a lot of motion. That that's the four round one era, and uh, you know you would just it was freelance basketball. So you get done playing, okay? Now what? What was what in your mind? What did you think? And then what actually happened? So. When I got done playing, I had my degree in criminal justice, right? So I uh, did this internship with juvenile probation here in Omaha. And they actually gave me a bunch of cases, right? I'm doing the internship, and they give me 24 cases. I got my own kids that I have to go see and and, and maintenance, right? And uh, I do this for six months, Doug. And finally, I realized, I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't help these kids because I saw what they was going back to. Right. A couple of them you had to take back home. And once you realize, like, because I always want to help kids. And I said, no, this is not the right error. So I'm walking through our rec center one day playing noon ball. Right. I run into a coach. He said, Crutch, you ever thought about being a GA? I said, no, what's a GA? <laughs> he said, a graduate assistant coach. I was like, well, I don't know. I never thought about that. I said, I'm doing juvenile probation right now, and I'm not liking that very much. But he said, come and see me tomorrow. Let's talk about it. So I go in the office, talk to him. This is what a GA is. So I just got married, right? So my wife wanted to know, how much money did it pay? I said, about $800 a month. But you get free tuition. He was like, hell no, we're not doing that. (laughs) But we end up doing it. And the rest is history. How did you turn her from hell no to this is what we're doing? Well, I just told her, you know, I got to give this a shot because what I'm doing now, I know I don't want to do for for a career. And um, I know I didn't want to be a police officer. So I said, I got to give it a shot. If, if it don't work out, I, I mean, we're young enough. I was 23 years old. We can go do something else. She had, And she was a school teacher. And uh, it, it worked out. How'd you guys meet? Here in college, on campus. She was just walking, and you you went up and hollered no, at her. Or actually, actually, we was in this. Uh, it was a it was a bowling alley that in the nighttime it turned into a club. So so uh, I saw her in this in this in this lounge slash bowling alley slash club, and I can't remember the holster. I think I asked her to dance, and and we ended up dancing. Next thing you know, we was dating. Three years later, we was, married, we was married three how'd, years later. How'd you ask her to marry you? She, uh, she kind of forced me into a corner. She told me, we go get married or we're going to break up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, it's not, not dissimilar to a recruiting tactic, right? Like, oh, hey, she, <laughs> right. We got, we got other dudes, we got other dudes that want to take this scholarship now. Okay? She pulled it on me. You got to either commit. You got to commit, or we got to move on down the road. That's exactly I mean, what happened. That's that's what happened with me and Notre Dame. I was I was like on the fence, like, look, Jeff Billet is at Christian Brothers Academy in New Jersey. 
It's a Catholic school. He's a Catholic kid. He wants the scholarship. So you got three weeks. Otherwise, he's going to visit. And he's going to take it. And we got to like week two and a half. I was like, I'll take it. I'll take it. So I, I understand. I understand your wife's tactic, and it clearly worked. Yep, worked for yeah. both of us, didn't it? <laughs> yes. So, um, okay. So, what was the experience like of being a GA? Because you had just got done playing, right? Did you? Did you? Would you hop in practice? Would coach use you on the on the scout team? Nope, nope. We had enough guys, and uh, what I would do, we did all the scout reports. Back then, we had to write them all up. You know, it wasn't it wasn't no diagrams on the computer. So you wrote up all the scout reports and uh you you have to do the VHS clips, the play and pause, play, pause, play. That's how you made the clips back then with the old JVC uh VHS machines. You remember that? Sure, sure. And uh it's a lot of time watching film, but I, 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 I really learned a lot about the game that I thought I knew until I started clipping clips out and putting together an edit tape uh, for the team. And uh, you started seeing the game for what it was really, really worth as you did that. So, And that, that gave me the passion to really, really want to coach. What was the decision like to leave? It was easy. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Tim Carter. Tim Carter was 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 here uh, for a year. He got the, he got the, uh, the UTSA job, right? Yes, he did. And the next year, he brought me to UTSA with him. But then you were on. But you were on staff, though. You weren't. You weren't a GA. No, I was on staff as as an assistant coach. Back then, it was the restricted earning position. You did everything. You just couldn't go on the road recruiting. And uh, I was there for a year with him. Then I I left with Kyle Keller to go to Tyler Junior College to his assistant because I needed recruiting experience. And uh, I was with Cal for two years. Cal goes to Oklahoma State. I get the head coaching job at Tyler. This is 99. And uh, then then I'm, I'm there for two years as the head coach. Okay, so now what was the biggest adjustment you had, you, you or what was the, what was most, I don't know, the, the interesting takeaway when you go from UNO Division two level to UTSA. What was what was that adjustment like? Um, I think basketball was the same, Doug. It was just you you was dealing with a different caliber of athlete. You know, the guys was I mean, the whole team was athletic. Guys was bigger. Uh, they all came from different places. We had a bunch of guys from Chicago on our teams. Guys from from Birmingham, Alabama. They were small over the country and in San Antonio. So you got a chance, chance to really, really see better athletes, better players. What was it like to be on staff? Like what it was you know, obviously different. You know, from being a GA when you're cutting up tape, then when you restrict your earnings, how'd your role change? It it was it was fun because I was on the road. We still did scout reports. Um I was I was in charge of all the on campus recruiting. So when all the kids brought them on campus, I was in charge of the dinners, the the visits the campus tours and all that kind of stuff, which gave me some hands-on experience. And I, and I worked with Kyle Keller. He was one of the assistants. Jeremy Cox was the other assistant coach. And uh, it was myself. And and, and uh, then Coach Carter. So so you go to Tyler, okay? Mm -hmm. So now you've been in junior college, but Texas junior college is different than Minnesota junior college. Yep. <laughs> um, what? What's that experience like? Oh, there's two different levels of basketball. 
mean, Minnesota uh, was a bunch of farm kids playing playing community college basketball. At Tyler, it was it was the best of the best that couldn't go Division One. All the guys that that didn't go D one, there was non qualifiers. They all came to the best junior college. Tyler was one of them. I mean, you talk about that league. It was Tyler, Trinity Valley, Kilgore, Paris, who's won national championships. Like it was, it was the best of the best. I mean, you talking about guys like Sean Kemp that came through Trinity Valley, Robert Pack that came through Tyler, all these guys that played in the NBA, Sam Cassell that played at St. Jack. I mean, it was just so many guys that came through Le- Texas. Le- Larry, Larry Johnson was Larry Johnson was was that was that St. Jack? Odessa. Odessa. Yeah. yeah. Now, what was keeping an eye on the kids, the the guys like right? Like, oh, oh, oh. I stayed in the dorms every night till about 9.30. I would leave my office. I go hang out in the courtyard in the dorms. When they come back from eating dinner, I'm right there with them. And we just shooting the shit, watching TV, and I'll leave at 9.30 to go home. I'm sure your wife liked that. Like, right I didn't here. do it every night, but yeah. probably three out of four nights I, I was up there with them. I mean, when things go wrong, what did, what did you guys do? How was your, what, was your, what was the way in which Kyle handled it? It was a lot of early morning runs. <laughs> uh, what many suspensions? We didn't we didn't suspend many guys, if I can remember. But but it was a lot of running. I knew a lot of running and uh, a lot of a lot of stadium stairs, a lot of stairs being ran. Who's your favorite guy from Tyler? Who you felt like the whole thing changed his life? Like he ended up he he was one guy coming in, and then you know now look at him now. That's a great question. Uh, probably um, Demetrius Kilgore. Tell me about him. He's from uh, West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, non-qualified of high school. 6'5", guard with about 6'11", wingspan. Could really play, could really shoot it. Big-time athlete. So he ended up going back to Purdue. <laughs> going to Purdue. Played for Coach Katie for two years, uh, ended up getting his degree, and now he lives in Dallas, and he he's the uh, the CEO of a charter school, and he has his own school, and he's doing a really really good job, and he's one of those guys that you know had it been a different junior college than Tyler, I don't, I don't know if he had survived it. Why? What? What? What were you guys? What did you guys specifically do? That allowed him to be successful. Well, I think Cal, Cal, his whole culture was about the players. It was about making sure sure they got their AA degree to move on. And he was big on pushing academics. He was big on being holistic as 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 a player and a person and um, as a student. And I think guys like that. I think guys they get there. They don't know. They have no idea what it's really all about until you get indoctrinated into that culture and realize that, you know, I could be more. I mean, he didn't he didn't think he was a high major player either when he got there, but we knew, like, this kid is really talented. And it worked out for him. But it, it's so many stories like that, Doug, especially in the junior college ranks. I mean, I, it brings up Emmanuel McElroy, who grew up in Port Arthur, Texas, that was poor. The kid came to college with a garbage bag of stuff. That was his stuff. And uh, he ended up playing for Bobby Huggins at Cincinnati and played overseas for 15 years. No more garbage bags. 
no, no, no more, no more, no more, no more, no more garbage bags. But it's it's a shocking thing. You've seen this. I drive down to pick them up for school, right? And that's that's back in the old big suburbans, right? We drive down to pick them up. He comes out the house with with two black garbage bags, and Cal looks at me and says, "That's just all his stuff." And uh, yep. he gets in the car, and we drive back to Tyler, and the rest is history. Um, what do you remember about the day you were named head coach? Oh, it was weird how it happened because uh, you'll like this story because you're connected to some of these people. Hey, Kyle leaves, right, and takes the job at – you mean at, at Tyler? Yeah. At Tyler, Kyle leaves, takes the job at Oklahoma State with Coach Sutton, right? Sure. Scott Sutton gets the Oral Roberts job at the same time. So Scott is wanting me to come up and be his assistant, right? So I go up, interview for the job. And I tell Scott, give me a couple of days because I'm trying to figure out if I can get the head coaching job at Tyler, right? So I wait around, wait around. The AD don't ever say anything to me if I'm getting a job. Just be patient, crutch, be patient, be patient. I said, I got to tell Coach Sutton something here pretty soon. If not, I'm going to lose this opportunity. Now I'm not going to have a job at all, right? So the next day, the president called, said, can you come over and talk to me? I went over to see the president at Tyler Junior College. Bill Crow was his name. And we talked for about 15 minutes. And he comes, his last question was, do you want to be our head coach? I said, yes. He said, well, he looked at his watch. He said, can you go home and put on a suit and be back up here in two hours? We got a press conference. That's how it happened. Just like that. What'd your wife say? She was happy. I mean, she worked on campus in the uh, uh, career, career assessment building. And I went over and told her on my way back to my office. I stopped and told her what had just happened. Jumped in the car, went home. Got dressed, came back, and did the press conference. What's that like to now you're calling the shots? First time in your career, first time in your life now, you're putting together not just a roster, but actually coaching kind of every game. What's that experience like? It was fun. It was fun because, you know, at that time I hadn't had that much experience, Doug, right? And my experience was watching Tim Carter, (laughs) you know, watching Kyle Keller. And uh, and being around, you know, Coach Sutton as much as I was around Coach Sutton and just watching him working those camps and that kind of stuff. So I had that's the only experience I had as a, as a head coach. So, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of copied some of the th- things that Kyle did, added my own flavor to it. And uh, we ended up winning 21 games that first year in junior college. One of the remarkable things about you as a friend but as kind of an outsider is like, you know how guys get when they have some success, you win 21 games your first year and they get, well, we used to call it the Naismith complex, yep. right? Yep. Where they think they think they invented the game, but you've always had this uh, a way about you where there, there's a lack of, of ego. What, what was that like? Like you never done this before. Now you win 21 games. How were you able to keep your ego in check? Because I didn't know. I was so naive in what 21 games meant back then. I, I really didn't know. Like, 21 games? Okay, you won most of your games. Okay. 
Then we got beat second round of our of our tournament by San Jack, who 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 ended up winning the national championship that year and go to Hutch. Like the ultimate goal was to get to Hutch to the national tournament, right? We didn't make right, it. Right. So in my mind, it wasn't a successful year, right? But for your first year as a head coach, I now know you won 21 games. That's a pretty good deal. Right. But the next year I came back, I think we won 17. What was the decision like to go to New Mexico State? It was easy. It was easy. Um, I just had my second kid, and uh, we needed the financial boost and worked for a Hall of Famer coach like Lou Henson. Who had, so, who like, had what, taken, what, so, so what were you making at, at Tyler? Uh, probably 45. And then, and then your wife worked there too. Yep. So then when you, when, when you get the New Mexico State job, were you able to get that as part of the package or she, because she had her second one, she wasn't going to work? No, no, no. She, uh, she ended up working. She ended up working. So she got a job at the school, at the school district in Las Cruces. And, uh, I was there working for Lou. What's, what was Coach Henson like? Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Great basketball mind. Uh, could walk in any room and win it over in the first 10 minutes. Man, he was the first guy that I saw that was as was a coach and a politician. I mean, he just had that knack for being able to go and, and, and talk to people, win people over. He was so likable. And, and I learned the business of coaching right there under him, uh, just the way he maneuvered and the way he did things. Uh, did he did he did he tell you these things or you just had like would he call you in and you talk about it? Would you talk about it on the road? Or is it just something things that you had to pick up on? Just had to pick up on. You just had to be aware of everything that was happening. And at that time, and I was mm, I was young. I mean, I was not even 30 years old. And I was just trying to like, wow, if I really want to do this, I gotta learn how to do this. Like guys like him, I gotta watch this guy really close. And myself and Coach Stubblefield, Tony. Was on the same staff together, and and uh, we just we just watch and observe and took notes, and uh, you'd be surprised what you learned in four years being around a guy like that. No question, no question. Um, and then you left when he retired. Yep, yep. Did he did he give you the heads up? Like how how did that go? How did that go down? Well, you know, uh, going into that that last year, he got sick. He got really sick and was in a wheelchair. You know, he decided he was coaching from a megaphone on, in the wheelchair for the last part of the season. And uh, at the crazy. end of the year, we had a new AD come in, and it was it was time. It was just time, and we we all knew. And uh, they brought in Reggie uh, Theus that oh. year, and uh, I was lucky enough to get on at at a at a TCU with Neil Doherty. Uh, and and Tony Tony Stubblefield, who's one of my best friends, he ended up staying with, with Reggie uh, for that next year. But it it was a good time. It's one of my one of my best jobs. I tell people this outside of Oklahoma, Las Cruces was one of my one of my best jobs. Why is that? Just at the time, you know, we had two young boys, and the weather was great. It was a great time. It was a, it was a, wasn't a high pressure job at all, and. Um, we had a lot of friends that was 
on the football staff that was had ties to Nebraska. So we just had a chance to hang out with, with a lot of people that we had knew already. And working for Lou was the best. All right, that's it for part one of Chris Crutchfield. Uh, tune in to part two. Why did he decide to leave Oklahoma and go to Arkansas? And then from Arkansas, he took a Division II job? And then why leave a Division II head coaching job to get back into Division One? And how did he become the head coach of his alma mater? All that's upcoming. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to download, subscribe, review, and rate. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.